This podcast is brought to you by EverythingVoluntary.com. Voluntary principle states that all human relations should happen by mutual consent or not at all. This podcast aims to promote respect for the voluntary principle in all walks of life and for all age groups. My name is Skylar Collins, and this is Everything Voluntary. Are you curious about unschooling? Do you want to know what unschooling looks like? Then visit our other website, unschoolingdads.com. There you will find interviews and testimonials by many unschooling dads. You may also download the book, Unschooling Dads, for free, or purchase it in paperback at Amazon or Barnes & Noble. Uh, before we start the episode, I want to invite you to join me as a featured guest. I'd love to chat and get to know you and give you this platform to bounce your ideas around, to schedule Go to the main website at everythingvoluntary.com. On the right-hand side, there's a link to schedule with me immediately. Click that link, select a day and time, answer the questions, and submit. That's all it takes. Thank you so much. Hello and welcome to the podcast. It's December 17th, 2020, and it's been a while since I've had so many interview episodes released in a row. We're coming off five uh, interview or chat episodes. <laughs> um, the last time I had so many in a row, it was actually when I I actually had separated out the conversation episodes from the solo episodes. When I first, the podcast was first going, and for the first hundred and something episodes, it was all conversation, either with a co-host, first Phil and then Morgan, or it was uh, with with other people, um, sometimes, you know, three of us. And when I started doing my solo episodes, I called them Editor's Break, which is why they're still categorized like that. But it was its own um, episode series. It was Editor's Break number one, number two, number three. And that became the dominant form of episode. So at some point, I merged them together and renumbered episode. So I stopped the editor's break count. I added those to episode and restarted the episode count. So when it says episode 430 or whatever it is, that's all of my original episodes with a co-host, conversation. Sometimes they were solo. There's even one episode where it's just my co-host and his wife. So I'm not even in that one. And then it's my solo episodes that I was doing called editor's break. And then I merged them together. Anyway, we're back. We're back to solo. <laughs> I don't have any um, chats or discussions or conversations scheduled until Alex Knight comes back next week. So, like I already have at, at the very beginning of this podcast, like I do in every podcast right now, I want to invite you to come have a conversation with me. And if you've been listening to these, you know how they go. It's just me asking you, really kind of starting off talking about your journey to wherever you are right now, politically or philosophically and you know just getting to know you and then you know when it's appropriate I talk about me you know as as the you know as conversations go I, I want it to be both ways I don't want it to be my interest is not really to just sit and ask you interview questions to interrogate you 
It's just to have a conversation. It's to meet you. It's to get to know you. It's, you know, if we're sitting down for coffee, having a conversation. So if you've been listening to this for any period of time, then then come have a chat with me. You know, tell start to tell the world your story. Maybe you don't podcast and you don't write or blog or do anything. You've got something to say. And this platform is open to you right now. In fact, if you don't want to come onto the podcast, you just want to blog about uh, you know, voluntarist themes, whether it's parenting or unschooling or markets or politics, then I invite you to blog at everythingvoluntary.com. I've got, you know, I syndicate a lot of stuff. I've got a few original bloggers that don't write as often. You know, I'm one of them. I don't write very often. So I syndicate a lot of stuff. But um, I can promise that if you write something, you will get priority. It'll it'll probably, unless I've already published for that day, it, it should go out that day. I put priority on original content. So if you just want to set up a blog, email me, everythingvoluntary at gmail.com, and we can get that set up and you can start you can start talking. You know, maybe you use Facebook. Maybe you just microblog on Facebook. Well, you can expand that. If you don't want to set up your own website and all that stuff, come on over to everythingvoluntary.com. I will host you. In fact, I'll even host your podcast. I've got a friend of mine that started one. Um, he doesn't record very often. He hasn't recorded in a while, Jared Norton. So he's technically in my podcast network. But otherwise, we've got the four podcasts, the three of them that I manage, two of them that I host. And I'm, you know, I'd love to add another podcast there. All you need to do is record it, send me the file, send me a, a title and a description, your show notes, and I'll do all the editing and get you some podcast music. I'll have that produced probably by Phil who produced all of mine, and I think he charges maybe 50 bucks. That would be your cost. Or you can make your own music, or you can go without music. So think about it. You can come on here and have a chat with me as often as you'd like. If you feel like you just need to get some stuff off your chest, you can even do it anonymously. We don't need to, or pseudonymously. We don't need to use your real name. We can, we can make up a name. Whatever you're comfortable with doing. Or if you want to just listen, that's fine too. But I am a platform here platform here for you if you want to use it. If you do want to chat with me on the podcast, just go to everythingvoluntary.com. On the far right side, it says schedule interview. Just click that and then it's self-explanatory from there. All right. In this episode, we're going to look at a couple of my essays. The first one is from August 2011, and it's an essay I wrote after reading Unconditional Parenting by Alfie Cohn, which I talked about in the last episode with Patrick. I talked about this being my, um, this being the book that changed, that changed my parenting initially. So this is a little essay that I wrote called Post-Punitive Parenting. And the second essay is from May 2018 on, on markets. So we'll, we'll get to that. All right. This is Post-Punitive Parenting from August 2011. There's some stuff at the end that isn't up to date about religion. I'm just going to read through it as I wrote it, and I can, I guess I can explain at the end. My wife and I have jumped feet first into a parenting style that is contrary to conventional wisdom in everything we've done the last six years. It's also contrary to how I was raised. Not so much for my wife, thank goodness. That style it's called Unconditional Parenting, and its creator is Alfie Cohn. The subtitle of Cohn's book summarizes it nicely, Moving from Rewards and Punishments to Love and Reason. I've spanked my son. I've put him in timeout. 
I've even put my almost two-year-old daughter in timeout. I've yelled. I've shouted. I've been as mean as I can be in order to get compliance out of my children. I've been a monster. And I created a monster in my wife. She's spanked. She's used timeout. And she's been loud and controlling as well. But she wasn't raised that way at all. She adopted my approach and did a 180. She was raised with a soft voice and a tender heart. Her parents are that way. They never yelled and they never spanked. No more. We're done with that. We're convinced that it's counterproductive and that it will hinder our children's development to be the kind of people we'd like them to be, i.e. self-confident, self-reliant, self-actualizing, caring, curious, etc. Cohn has convinced us that these methods will impede our goal of raising our children to become good and wholesome adults. We're done with spanking, yelling, and timeouts. We're done with punishments, period. But we're also done with rewards. We're done with bribes and promises in return for obedience. They're counterproductive, too. Kids learn to place more value on the rewards than on the activity, or to only be nice to other kids because they've been promised something. And when the rewards stop coming, the activity or good behavior stops, too. With both punishments and rewards, you're doing to the kids. They learn to be selfish. They learn to focus on what will happen to them if they don't comply, or what will happen to them if they do comply. They never learn to think about others for others' sake. So what's the alternative? Cohn spends the first seven chapters detailing the destructiveness of punishments and rewards. It took seven chapters to get us to commit to try something else, and that something else is simply beautiful. No longer do we have any desire to control our kids or to force them into compliance. We've thrown our authoritarian approach out the window. We've replaced it with love and reason. When your child is upset, take on their perspective. Figure out why they're upset, why they're acting like a little brat. There's a reason. Punishments and rewards are conditional parenting. They tell you that they tell your child that you don't love them when they don't when they do something wrong, but only when they do something right. It's their perspective that matters, not yours. If you love your child unconditionally, then love them unconditionally. If they misbehave, i.e. behave in a way that you disapprove of for whatever arbitrary reason, then kneel down and make it a bonding moment. Ask the child about it. Talk to him. Reason with him. Help him understand why what he did was wrong, but make sure that it was wrong. If he's just curious, help him explore his curiosity. Mentor your child as he explores the world around him. Even when your child throws himself on the floor in the middle of a supermarket, Rule number one in this scenario, forget everyone else around you. Your focus is your child. He's upset. To disregard his feelings is to disrespect your child. Who cares how embarrassing or inconvenient it is to you? Somebody's been raised with conditional parenting. He needs you to help him understand why he can't have the fruit snacks for that super cool cartoon character cereal. And for heaven's sake, stop saying no so often. It's a knee-jerk response to a child's seemingly irrational request. But he doesn't think it's irrational. The hardest part about making this commitment has been realizing how much fixing we have to do of ourselves. Our first reaction is to be punitive or to promise rewards. It's much easier, but only brings temporary compliance. It will bite you in the rear end in the long run. We've had, a, we've had to wail and gnash our teeth against our desire to take the easy route. Unconditional parenting takes a lot of time and a lot of patience right now. Later on, less time will be needed to keep your teenager safe and doing the things he should be doing. Kids that are raised this way don't live double lives. Don't let others control them and have a close, counsel-filled relationship with their parents. My wife has this type of relationship with her parents. I don't. A close friend of mine introduced me to Cohn's work. He shares my religious and political beliefs and knew that I'd be interested. 
And I was. I abhor violence, coercion, and authoritarian control. But I was conflicted. I used what I abhorred against my own children. But what else was there? I thought that punishments and rewards were all there was. I was dead wrong. I am a voluntarist and a Latter-day Saint. I am a disciple of Jesus Christ. To think that Christ would raise children as a conditional parent is to misunderstand what he taught. He didn't teach punishments and conditional love. He didn't teach spanking and timeouts. He taught us to suffer the children and to love them unconditionally. Only through putting off the natural man's punitive parenting can one parent as Christ would parent. My wife and I are thrilled that we found Cohn's work. We read his book and watched his DVD. The adventure is just beginning and we're completely committed. Okay, that's the end um, of the essay. And I will say that we continue to be completely committed, as I'm sure as I'm sure you know if you've listened to this podcast for some time. However, I did find some better tools along the way. This particular book, Unconditional Parenting by Alfie Cohn, does not offer a lot of practical tools for dealing with um conflict with your kids, right? That's what it comes down to. There's a conflict. There's a disagreement about what your kid wants and what you want. So there's a conflict. And many parents will just force their kid into compliance, force their kid into doing it their way because they're the parent and their child and they don't have rights and blah, 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 blah. Or you can work with the kid so that you both get what you want, right? You both come out of that feeling like, your your you care about one another you care about one another's feelings as well as wants and desires and needs and in a very real sense you're partners in you know the day to day so there's books and i mentioned these in the last last podcast to uh patrick there's playful parenting by lawrence cohen that's a good one there is parent effectiveness training by thomas gordon and there's um Parenting for a Peaceful World by Robin Grill. All of these are linked to on the recommended links page at everythingvoluntary.com. So if you're looking for practical tools to help you with those tough moments, I would start with parent effectiveness training and playful parenting. And with Parenting for a Peaceful World by Robin Grill, the first half of the book is really detailing the history of parenting. Uh, for humanity, and it'll it'll probably blow your mind how kids have been treated in the past, the things that adults have done to them, and it truly explains the existence of adult conflict and war and violence to see how children have been in, and in many places continue to be raised. It's causation, and that bit at the end which I think still holds true as far as the portrayals of Christ that we have from the New Testament. I do not believe that he is somebody who would ever scream and yell and rage at a child or hit them. I just don't believe he would do that. That's not, that's not the person that I see in the New Testament. I see a, a very gentle, loving person. So while I'm no longer a active disciple of Jesus Christ, and I suppose in many ways I still am. I still consider myself to be a good person, and I, I behave well towards my fellow man. So insofar as good behavior means you're a disciple of Jesus Christ, because he is the supposedly the, the pinnacle of that, then 
I guess it still stands, but I'm not I'm not an active religious or church goer at this point. Okay. All right, let's let's go to the next one. This one is called Markets Aren't Miraculous. God bless the world from May 2018. Markets, or the array of exchanges of property between individuals and groups, are responsible for the rising standard of living enjoyed by human beings all across the world. To the extent that markets are free to develop, people's needs are easier met and conflicts over scarce resources are reduced. I'm guilty of describing these amazing effects of markets as miraculous. I wrote a few entries in a Miracles of the Market series back in 2009. But I was wrong to ever describe anything the market does as a miracle or as miraculous. Why? Because the positive effects of markets broadly described above do not depend on any sort of divine intervention. And it's totally ridiculous to say that they do. Rather, they are the natural result of individuals and groups engaging in market action. No divine explanation necessary. What may require divine intervention, however, is increasing the knowledge that people have about the importance of keeping markets free or allowing voluntary trade among consenting individuals and groups to happen however the participants involved see fit. What people need is a better understanding of rational economics, first and second, and second, to explore normative claims that free markets are good for people. I don't know if there is a God, but assuming for a moment there is, I say, God bless the world with a better understanding of what it takes to help people meet their needs easier and reduce conflict over scarce resources. God bless the world to stop its violent prohibition of voluntary trade among consenting individuals and groups. God bless the world to stop its campaigns of terror among innocent people. God bless the world to stop traumatizing its children and perpetuating the cycle of abuse. God bless the world to one day develop the technology to permanently make the state obsolete. Markets don't need God ble- God's blessing, but humanity sure seems to. All right, that's the end of that. I don't I don't know what got what started my thinking on this as far as uh uh miracles and the market. You see it a, a lot a lot, right? Especially when you listen to, you know, libertarian commentators and stuff where where they'll use that um they'll use that descriptor, right? They'll call mark they'll, they'll call car some call some new market phenomenon that's, you know, helping people out. They'll call it a miracle or miraculous. And I think that does it a disservice. That makes it seem like markets can only do those things when there's some sort of supernatural magic going on. And that's just not true. Mark the 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 effects of markets will always happen when markets are free and property rights are respected. I I believe and so there's no, you know, we don't need to describe it as miraculous. Now, I know this might just be rhetoric and whatnot. But ever since I wrote this, I've never described it that way. It just doesn't sit right coming out of my mouth to say, you know, it's miraculous or it's a miracle or anything like that. It's just, it's just not. It's just It's just the natural cause and effect of respecting property rights in scarce resources and respecting voluntary trade between individuals. It's just what results from that. And economics helps you understand that. Understanding good economics, right? Proper, solid, rational economic theory is where you get, is how you get there. All right. I think that's going to do it. This wasn't too long. We looked at my essay on post-punitive parenting, and I'll link to that. I found a couple of typos I've got to fix there as I was reading that. (laughs) Stuff I've missed almost 10 years ago. (laughs) 
And then we looked at why markets aren't miraculous, but if the world needs anything, it's God's blessing. (laughs) All right. Thank you so much for listening. Please remember, don't hurt people, don't take their stuff, and don't ask permission. And please have a better day. Please send your comments and questions to everythingvoluntary at gmail.com. Please consider supporting this podcast and everythingvoluntary.com by setting up an automatic monthly donation at patreon.com forward slash EBC. One-time donations are also accepted at paypal.me forward slash everythingvoluntary. Will you do us a big favor? Will you rate and review this podcast wherever you're listening from? That really helps. And one more thing, please share the podcast with your friends. We really appreciate it.